This is an encore presentation of the Student Union. You know what? I will have some meatloaf. Let's have some meatloaf. You want some? I need to. Hey, man! The meatloaf! We want it now! The Welcome to the Student Union, everyone. I'm your host, the Chancellor, Pastor Marcus Zill. You know, there is only one way to introduce today's guest. We are here today in the Student Union with Pastor Marty Marks in DeKalb, Illinois. How are you doing today, Marty? I am doing great. Great to be with you, Marcus. You are serving students and have been for a while at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb. Tell everybody, uh, for the sake of our listeners, where is DeKalb? How long have you been there? And uh, give us a little bit of background of what your campus ministry is about and what kind of a typical week looks like for you guys up there. Wow, well, I wish you had a longer radio program to do all that, but uh, I'll give you something quick here. <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, DeKalb's about, uh, about 75 miles straight west of Chicago, um, considered kind of on the very, very fringes of maybe Chicago suburbia, but really kind of its own thing, but, but right on the, the bubble there. Uh, university uh, at its peak was about 25,000. The last few years um, have seen a decline down to about 20,000 students, but a pretty major university, largely made up of students from the, the greater Chicago area, but, but servicing the entire state of Illinois and actually a fair number of international students as well. Um, I did my undergrad here, so it's near and dear to my heart. Um, I was a history major with military and political science minors, went through an ROTC program here, and, um, you know, so, so near and dear to my heart. Uh, the, the church that I now serve is both the senior pastor and the campus pastor with the church I had my wedding uh, done at. Um, so, again, near and dear to my heart. Served some, some other parishes in the meantime, but then about 14 years ago, the Lord brought me back here to serve these folks. And uh, we, uh, we have what's called a town gown ministry. I've got a, a congregation that's over 100 years old with grandmas and grandpas and babies and everything in between uh, with a, a bunch of college students kind of mixed in. Uh, we do some, some specialized ministry with the college students, uh, do a number of special activities, Bible studies and other activities. But no, it's kind of a, a combined entity with the Emmanuel Lutheran Church. So that's in a nutshell what we got going on here. Well, that's fantastic. I, now you have a kind of a certain name that you call your campus ministry, don't you? Correct. Yeah. Um, yeah we, we actually still officially, I think, on the books at the, within the school, we call it Lutheran Student Fellowship. I know we've disbanded that national organization, but we've always gone by Refuge, is kind of the name of our local little chapter for that, and that's just kind of the, the name we're known by. So uh, we're a refuge, a safe place from the, the worldly ways, and uh, safe place to kind of come and uh, be in God's presence here. No, that's actually, I, I, I'll be honest, I'm not a big fan of a lot of, I mean, everybody's got to have kind of a name for everything, but I actually love that one. I mean, that's yeah. that's really what we want for our college students while they're away at, at college to have a, a, a place to go, to have find sanctuary, to find peace, to find a refuge in the middle of of what they uh, have to deal with and face uh, during their lives as a college student. And uh, anyways, you know, I had a chance, uh, I had a chance about a year, year and a half ago, I guess, to come up and visit you guys. And I remember two things. Uh, well, I remember more than that, but I, I remember... Um, 
We went out for cheese dip, and I was totally excited about that because you made a big deal. So if anybody ever goes up to DeKalb, you got to ask to go out for cheese dip. And you also well, gave will... me one of these little one of these little ninjas, yeah. and you've been giving out little plastic ninjas. Um, and it was like one of the nicest things somebody ever did for me was oh. to give me one of these. In fact, I've got two. Um, can't find them both. They're around here in my office. Um, they're probably well, the taking care of uh, pests or something uh, uh, to keep <laughs> me from getting bit. But what is your fast? Tell everybody about your, your your whole deal with handing out ninjas. Sure. Well, a little word of comfort to you, whether you can find it or not. The ninja is just a recognition of your status. You know, the, the possession of it isn't as important as the fact that you are ninja worthy. Um, you know, the real, <laughs> uh, and I'm not real good at like doing quick versions of stories, but. Uh, uh, we had a favorite pizza place I used to go to with my kids, and I still do from time to time. They had little machines out front. You put the quarter in, you get a little toy out. And uh, one time I wound up with a few extra ninjas from the, the little machine in my pocket, and I used it as a motivator when my kids were doing something good. I'd say, hey, you did something extra good today. Here, have, have a little ninja. They thought that was great. So, uh, so I started just collecting these up in my pocket to reward my kids. Well, a gal from our church did something, and she was in her mid-60s, you know, chairwoman of one of our boards or committees, and uh, I don't know what it was, but it struck me as, wow, that was really neat what you did. So I pulled this ninja out of my pocket. I'm like, this is kind of silly, but you know what? You deserve a ninja for what you did. And this gal just starts bawling and, uh, you know, realize adults love ninjas too. And so, um, so for me, when someone tells me to touch people's lives, when they serve the Lord or their community in some way where they're making a difference, I present them with a ninja, and uh, it's kind of just taken on a life of its own. Uh, someone created a Facebook page for the ninja thing. Um, we've given it to most of the, the municipal leaders in our town. We had a new superintendent of schools take over a year or two ago, and uh, it was like a big ceremony at the boardroom table where he got presented with his ninja. <laughs> you know, uh, so you know, civil servants. So we've given them to a lot of elected leaders across the country. Um, I know some folks took them internationally and handed them out while they were off doing other work. So. Uh, and you bought these little. you bought a bunch of them in like bulk or something right oh yeah yeah i figured out you know where the people who put them in the machines get them from and i yeah, i get bags of 250 at a time and go through them but it's always a one-on-one -on -one, though so marcus you have touched lives i've met well, talked with you i've seen the work you've done you know every and, time and i ninja, see the ohio state buddy. buckeyes playing football and they have those little buckeyes on their helmet or you know you hear this is kind of like your george um hw bush's thousand points of light kind of a thing yeah. it's uh <laughs> It, it is pretty cool, and, th and that's why uh, the intro to the program today was a little bit of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle in, uh, in terms of a response to that. But one of the, the reason, um, well, that's all the time we have on today. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, one of the things that I thought it'd be nice to talk to you about is you went through kind of an interesting situation at Northern Illinois University in DeKalb just, uh, just around Thanksgiving time, I think, last year. Right. Where, you know, with all this talk of religious liberty issues and First Amendment things and freedom of expression and access for all of us with our RSOs on campus, it's every week I have a new situation I hear about. But you have kind of an interesting one that took place this last fall, and, and I hadn't heard about it. And you, you sent me this link. I want to get your reaction to this, and let's talk sure. about this a little bit. North, this is the Chicago Tribune. Uh, there were some other articles and public radio and some other places. Northern Illinois University removes Bibles from campus hotel after complaint. Guests seeking a Bible at NIU's campus hotel now must call the front desk after a secular group complained that the sacred scripture had no place 
and the nightstand. So I guess tell a little of the background. What what happened that led to this? How did the complaint come up? Um, I can read yeah, the article, sure. but what what happened, and what's the group that was kind of involved with trying to get this removed? Well, I don't, I don't know a ton about them, but I guess just a little it's background. Freedom from we, uh, Religion Foundation. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I see the title, and I have some pretty good suspicions what they're all about. Sure. But, uh, and I think I think they were brought. You know, the the gal who was the leader of that group was kind of coming in to speak at some event. You know, on or around campus. Uh, there's a atheist, agnostics, and free thinkers group probably brought her in or something. But anyway, she stood, stayed in the hotel. Well, the, you know, many universities have a student union. Students hang out, do stuff in their work. Our our university has a student center, but there's not really a student hangout place. Uh, but it's a big, tall building, and they, it's just historically always been a hotel. Um, and speakers will be there, and they've got some nice meeting rooms, and so they rent it out to other groups, too. So um, this gal may well have been there to speak to something non-university related, but was there just, you know, because the group that was renting one of the ballrooms or something might have been using that. But anyway, she stayed overnight in the hotel, found the, the Gideon's Bible in the nightstand, and went and complained. Um, her complaint was basically that this is state-owned land, which it is, um, and that she found it offensive that a religious text of any kind would, would be in there and uh, that it should be removed. Um, the university leadership kind of thought about it and agreed and then removed the Bibles, and uh, now they are still available. They're, you can go to the front desk and get one, uh, but they're no longer found. So in you can go. Place. They have toothpaste. They have shaving cream. If <laughs> yeah. you forgot yours, and if you also want a Bible. Now, you some college it, yeah. campuses Maybe actually... Maybe you can Ninja Turtle videos, too. Well, there exactly. you go. See, that's that's the next that's the next step. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, there are... Now, I, I get around to a lot of college campuses. In fact, where we're going to have the next conference for LCMSU, the National Campus Ministry Conference called Liberty. It's yeah. going to be in at the oh, University awesome. of Maryland. They have a uh, Marriott on campus, but it's run by Marriott, but... The university has an agreement with them. You will find a lot of these types of places, but what you're talking about is that this building, the everything associated with it is basically not just on the land, not just an agreement, but also run basically by the university directly. Correct. Yeah, I don't know all the inner workings, but it, it is part of the university structure that, that runs this operation. So it's, you know, so the, the employees are state employees. Uh, you know, it's it's a state-run thing, you know, how, internally and how, how it's all divided among, amongst the university departments. I'm not sure, but it, uh, it's definitely a, a, a state-run institution. So what is the what is your uh, what is your take on this and how uh, yeah, how me, do we because do you're obviously Maybe. you're not against the Gideons now are you no matter of fact I'm a huge fan of the Gideons uh, the Gideons have been handing out Bibles uh, testaments on our campus for uh, many years I I've been familiar for 25 almost 30 years of watching them do it big supporter they use our church as their base of operation when they do it every year um, so no I I support completely their work to get God's word into people's hands. However, uh, my take here, and it, I don't know that it may be super popular with some of, some of our, our Christian folks here, but it was a good teachable moment. Maybe actually something Liberty might, might want to look into doing, so sure. I'm suggesting for you, Marcus, is uh, the way I kind of, as I thought and prayed about it, um, the distinction between um, actual persecution and the shift away from having um, a privileged status. Um, you know, Christianity has been the main religion in the United States for you know, 
couple centuries here, we, we have kind of a privileged status. We're used to having, you know, things kind of the Christian way. And, uh, and, and to me, this is a good example of the difference between true persecution um, and, and the loss of that status. Um, so here's my take for what it's worth. Um, the, you know, as a kingdom of the left-handed issue, um, our government has, has agreed that all religions should be equal in our nation. Uh, just because someone's been around longer, bigger, more influential, you know, shouldn't have any special perks or privileges. And so when the, the gal raised this this complaint, I don't like how she worded it. I, I think she was pretty, you know, not polite about it and just kind of annoying to me personally, at least how the Tribune article reads. Um, but at the same time, the, the point I think is still good. If, uh, if that nightstand's going to have a Bible from the Christian religion, then really every other religion has the right to have their holy writ in, in the nightstand as well. And to be honest, frankly, I don't want all that stuff in a nightstand next to me, so I would rather kind of give up my privilege state of having my book next to me in any hotel room I go into that's owned by the state, and say, well, let's have none of them there. I'm, I'm fine to not have um, a Koran or a satanic verses or, you know, who knows what else gets put in there. Sure. Uh, you know, so, um, and, and again, to that's, that's the shift. Persecution would be if they said, well, you're not allowed to bring a Bible in, or you're, you know, the Bible's forbidden in this building. That would be persecution. Mm-hmm. That would be, you know, a religion being rejected or, or kept away um, in an unfair way. Um, but simply saying everyone should have equal status, either none in the, the nightstand or everything in the nightstand, is, is the reduction from, boy, Christians don't get special perks anymore. We're just like everyone else. And, uh, and I think there's an evangelical, like, twist to this, um, uh, as far as us being evangelists, uh, that's what I mean by that, um, that, that's real positive. For us to be able to say in the public sector, you know, fair is fair. Um, it's all right for us to not have our Bible in, in the nightstand. is disarming. Uh, you know, I think those who want to oppose Christianity are used to saying, well, they're always going to play for their privileged status. Uh, they're just a bunch of whiny babies who you know, want their way, and that's what Christians are. For us to say, you know, fair is fair, and it doesn't, you know, if, if, no, if not everyone can be in there, then no one should be in there, and that's okay by us as Christians. Um, but it's very disarming. It takes away the argument that, that we aren't sensitive to others' feelings, um, now, at the end of the day, do those other holy writings point to the the way to heaven? No, I, I would not suggest that at all. Um, but uh, uh, that's my take for what it is, and it was a good teachable moment for me to talk with my folks about it. Well, sure, I, uh, you know, I I actually agree. I agree with everything you're saying. Uh, I, I think that uh, one Let's of put the that thing- one in the record books, huh? Yeah, there you go. <laughs> You know, uh, I told I told for our listeners I told I told Pastor Marks I was going to introduce him as, as a man in the synod known for controversy, and here I'm coming out saying uh, saying that I agree. <laughs> no, but uh, well, I I think we both love Jesus Christ. We can find a whole lot of room for agreement. No, right? I was just kidding about that. I was trying yeah. to. Whenever I have a caller and somebody on, I always uh, explain to them how I'm going to introduce them, but then I didn't do it. But then I just did. Yeah. But no, no, it's it's wonderful to be in agreement on this. I, you know, we. Uh, we get all hot and bothered about a lot of these issues on our campuses. And it seems to me that there's many, many places. In fact, the majority of situations where we are engaged, we are being uh, kind of a, there's a, there's some soft persecution going on against us. It's actually, I think it behooves us to find places where we realize that it's not worth battling over and we can actually show them the other side, an example of this is where we're talking. This is what we mean when we say, oh, let me give you an example. When I was at the University of Wyoming, we didn't have, as you know, most schools have some sort of a, a 
kind of a religious ministerial alliance of some sort of everybody right. and everybody. And, and uh, I was in a position of arguing for the atheists, arguing for the Mormons, arguing for everybody to be able to have the same access on the University of Wyoming campus as my group did. It's not, it, it's actually, I would argue, it'd be hypocritical for us to not argue for them, whether it's a Wiccan, Satanist, whatever. I don't want them there. I wish they weren't there. But we can't argue for us to have equal status and for them to not have equal status, too. Um, does that make sense to you? Oh, 100%. Uh, you know, and See, we agree that even more, everyone. Well, it's, it's very <laughs> scriptural. It's a, it's a do unto others. You know, if, sure. if, uh, if I started a campus ministry at the University of Baghdad, I would suspect there's a whole bunch of Muslim student organizations. I would want, I don't know if it would really happen, but what I would want is them to say, you know what, your Christian little startup group should have equal access to the university along with all these Muslim groups. And if I would want that for me somewhere else, this is the kingdom of the left-hand thing, sure. then, and then, you know, the gospel speaks to me and says, well, then I should afford that to everyone here. Um, now, will I support them in their teachings and say their teachings are equal to, to the Christian teachings on the Trinity? Well, of course not. Um, I, I would oppose that. But I think from the king on the left hand and in our nation, I say they've got equal access, just like the rest of us. So. Now, do you, may, do you draw a distinction like, um, I remember, um, you know, one time I did go to a Marriott, and I'm pretty sure there was a Book of Mormon in it. And I remember mm -hmm. thinking, man, this this is horrible. I can't believe that there's a Book of Mormon in here. I'm like, well, yep. you know, I'm here to sleep. I'm not here to to read it. But uh, if it's a private, if it's a private, you know, everybody gets all fired up about people protesting Chick-fil-A, these yeah. different places in terms of their views. But if it's a hotel and they're a private business and that's what they want to do, is there a difference between that and what you're talking about that happened at the NIU campus at the hotel? Yeah, well, my, my opinion on that is exactly what you said. You know, boy, you and I. Scary combination here, my friend. But, Absolutely. Uh, yeah. wait, wait, you are ninja-worthy yeah, today, Pastor Marks. <laughs> <laughs> I would say a, uh, a private business has the right to, to put whatever kind of literature they want in there. Now, you know, it would not be wise in their business sense to put something that's going to offend many of their customers, and they probably would, you know, not do do business well um, if, if they were doing things like that. But if, you know, if they chose to put a book of women, I think that's well within their right. I would probably choose not to read it, although, you know, occasionally I don't mind pulling it out to say, all right, you know, what, what is the difference here? Um, and, and then you can do some apologetics as you get to know, you know, but I probably would just avoid the thing. And, well, <laughs> the sure. Thing. I mean, I'm looking at one right on my shelf. I've got all sorts of these things, yep. but they're in my library for, for those kind of purposes. But yeah. So, no, I would have no objection. And um, now it's interesting. I don't know how society is going to view that. You know, um, uh, the the term offense seems to get uh, people riled up. And I, I think if you pull the offense card, you, you can force people to do all sorts of things that maybe aren't proper. But um, I'm not going to be the one to pull the offense card. <laughs> I guess it's it seems to me that when we think about our status and community, and we are very much losing what you're saying, this uh, kind of Christian privilege, that we have to learn how to discern what is a reasonable loss of Christian privilege and what is actually persecution. And yeah. do you not think that these things give us, when something like this happens, sometimes the best teachable moment that we have is something where we can go to the other side, those who might have many, many other issues to throw at us, and say, you know what, on this one we agree. I agree, yeah. 
it's disarming if, if you're if you if you're talking with groups that are always used to battling you and you tell them they're right they don't know what to do with it but it but it mends some fences and allows you know for an intelligent conversation and you know i think the lord works through that um so yeah i i'm a big fan of how do we find a way to like get along with others um never compromising the teachings of of the gospel for sure um but there's lots of things we can do that that allow us to still get along with one another uh even those who are not within the Christian faith. And, um, I don't know how much time we've got left. No, here. we've got a, we've got about four or five minutes here. But uh, I well, uh, well, hey, if you got if you got time, you want a quick little Marty story for what it's worth? Sure. All right, absolutely. I've, I've been preaching this Lenten season on uh, broken justice. Uh, we, we have a preaching rotation in our uh, circuit here, and so I've gone to various churches, and we had a, a sermon series, and mine was uh, different things that were broken and how we're restored to Christ, and mine was broken justice. And I told the story in each of the sermons. Um, you know, my my understanding of justice goes back to when I was a child. Um, I had three—there were three brothers, my, myself and two younger brothers, a family I grew up in fairly close in age, and uh, our favorite lunch was always when Mom made SpaghettiOs with meatballs. Always better with the meatballs, of course. Um, and so uh, she'd do a big pot of them. I don't know how many cans she'd throw in, but when they'd get dished up, first thing I did, I was the oldest brother, not a real good older brother here, is I would count up how many meatballs were in my bowl. And, uh, oh, you didn't. I, I did. And if I, had, <laughs> and if I had more meatballs than any, either my brothers, everything was fine. That was justice. That was fair. Um, <laughs> however, if by fluke, one of my brothers had more meatballs to me, that was unfair. That and, I cried, and, I, and I, I cried, you know, foul play and, and made a big conniption about it. Well, <laughs> you know, I think that's what maybe as, as sinners, we tend to do. We, when we say justice, as long as I'm coming out good in the deal, I'm fine. But when it appears somebody has something better or more than me, then we cry foul. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in the sermon, what I preached about was, you know, well, God's does talk about justice in many places in Scripture, cares about it greatly. What he cares about even more is mercy. Um, you know, Jesus didn't care about getting his fair shake. Jesus was willing to, to take the consequences for us, dying on the cross, you know, to take our sins away. That wasn't fair. That wasn't justice. Um, well, you know, thank think, God he isn't fair. Because if we got what was fair, we wouldn't probably like it very well. Yep. So as a follower of him, my goal is to give away my meatballs. You know, I may have more meatballs than someone else at some point, but, you know, if others need meatballs, I'm going to hand them out. And uh, and no longer am I worried about if I've got the most. As a matter of fact, if I've got meatballs to give, I'm happy to share. And, you know, that's kind of my take on on both justice and mercy. Well, you know what? So, if, if the ninja thing ever kind of runs out of steam, you can just start uh, purchasing <laughs> uh, meatballs in bulk and handing those out instead. Yeah, I don't think they'll have the staying power. If you end up with some of my meatballs up on your shelf a couple years later, uh, good Reverend Zill, I'm yes, going to be worried I, about you. <laughs> well, I, you know, since we have time, I, I've got a story. Um, I've got a Marcus story, if we have a Marty story. Yeah, I, when I was at the University of Wyoming, one time the, the Mormons came over and they wanted to, uh, they wanted they wanted to bury the hatchet. Uh, they thought, you know, a lot of people get the wrong idea about what we Mormons believe, teach, and confess. We would love to have a chance could we find an opportunity, a venue to come over to your place? We were right across the street from another, just off campus, uh, to have like an hour to talk to your students and all of you about what Mormons are about and what they believe and try to clear up a lot of the myths and see if there's any questions. And I said, absolutely, that would be awesome. And they were all excited. And I said, before we start planning a date, when can I come over and talk to your uh, students and everybody at the LDS Institute of Religion and do the same thing. <laughs> and then, of course, they were like, oh, well, uh, 
we hadn't <laughs> thought about that. We just wanted to come and talk to your people. I'm like, well, you know what? Yep. When you have a, ch- you know, this is kind of gets back to this, this equal access thing. If we're the way I figure, if we're on an even footing, having access based on the power and the potency of the word of God, we actually win by having equal access as opposed to having to fear that maybe someone will package things better or whatever. But they were obviously a little afraid to have me come talk to their people. I was really not too concerned about them having the chance to talk to my students. But, hey, any final thoughts uh, in this uh, talk of ninjas, meatballs, story time, (laughs) and religious liberty, and uh, Gideon Bibles on campus? (laughs) Any final thoughts on how our students should approach these kinds of things? Uh, How did your students take all this? Did they they seem to to jive with what you're thinking? It didn't really show up on their radar. You know, I I was a student here years ago, and I never stayed in the hotel. I don't think most of them ever have. So, you know, to them, it was this bizarre, just academic thing that showed up in the newspaper. And, you know, oh, that's interesting. Um, You know, I don't think they were particularly interested one way or the other. Um, so, you know, now my, my folks don't seem to mind. But like I said, I think it was a good teachable moment on the idea of, you know, there are some things that, that are privilege and some things that are persecution, and for us to, to have kind of a wise distinction of those and, and when we can give, as you said, um, to, to help encourage just a friendly dialogue where then we can talk about the gospel rather than people having their wells up. Uh, that was Jesus's approach. Jesus really seemed to disarm people with a kindness and an acceptance and a welcoming, not acceptance of false teaching, but an acceptance of the individual and say, you know, there's room for you to be loved. Uh, if we can do the same thing, uh, I think we've got a lot of open doors that we're missing. Well. Well, that's all we have time here for today in the Student Union. As always, remember to check out our archives at kfuoam.org. And remember, college is tough. You need Jesus to help.